0: All right. Well, good morning everybody. Everybody's getting their uh, getting back to their seat, getting their popcorn and their cokes, their pops. That's cool. If I if I drank my coke right now, all I would do is like burp the whole time I'm talking to you. And 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 some of you ladies would be like, "That's gross." And then others would be like, "Dang, that's cool." And if my kids were in here, they'd be like, "Wow." But anyway, I'll spare you that. Well, happy Father's Day officially uh, from myself to you on Father's Day. So good to see you guys. So glad you joined us this day and are here in God's house in His presence. Let me invite you to open the word of God to you, uh, with us this morning, 2 Timothy. Second Timothy chapter two is where we're at. We, in case you uh, haven't been here the last couple of weeks, um, we had started a series called "Remain Faithful in an Unfaithful World." And what we're doing, we're covering this book, Second Timothy. It's a it's a short book. It's four chapters, and it is uh, really what it is. The background is it's the Apostle Paul is the writer. The author of it, and he wrote it to Timothy, his spiritual son in the faith, who was a pastor at a church of Ephesus, a pretty large church. And Timothy was a young young pastor, and it was Paul's. The 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 uh, scholars say it was probably Paul's last letter that he ever wrote. Right before he was executed, and uh, he was in prison in Rome, and. It was not a pretty picture, but it was it was something the Lord used in Paul's life to just take advantage of that time when no one else was around him. A lot of people that Paul uh, ran with and were in relationship with they all fled uh, from him, and uh, for different reasons. And here he is in prison, his final days of life, and he's and he's writing this last letter, and he really writes it from this angle, and that is an angle of uh, of encouragement to Timothy and to the readers and to the hearers to be encouraged in this one thing and that is to remain faithful in the last days. And you know Paul wrote this a long time ago and he had the the understanding to live with with the mindset that it's it's the last days then. And if it was that idea then, then how much more so now, right? And so he writes this letter to encourage the believers to say, hey, be faithful, remain faithful in this unfaithful world. And we've highlighted a few different things about this world, tragedies that continue to go on, terrorist acts that continue to happen in our country, unfair treatment to people, hate. All types of things, and then that's, that's just kind of what happens to the groups of people. Then you, you break it on down to the individuals. There's, there's individual lives here at stake. There's our own hearts at stake. There's our own issues that we wrestle with. There's our own setbacks and heartaches that, that you and I have to deal with on a daily basis. Not to mention the nationwide focus and the worldwide focus, and all of these things are happening. And life continues to happen. But Paul writes and says, Look, I'm in prison, but listen, don't you worry about me because I'm going to be all right. But I'm writing to let you know that no matter what happens in your life, no matter what comes against you, you've got to remain faithful, right? Remain faithful. And so that's what he writes. And last week, we started in chapter two. We got through the first half. We'll do the second half today. And he, he Paul he, he he tells tells us two he told us two things in the first 13 verses, two main things, and that was one to be strong. If you're gonna be faithful and remain faithful, then you've got to be strong. Gotta be strong. And then he says, You you've got to also you've got to endure hardship. Hardship's gonna happen. Hardship's gonna come against you. Some things are gonna take place that that, that don't make sense but we endure it. You see, and those who endure, they're the ones who get to obtain the prize. They're the ones who get the reward. You see, in our day and time, in our society, it's flipped, and they just... People think, well, it doesn't matter if, you, if you're not faithful. It doesn't matter if you don't endure. It doesn't matter if you do not endure does not matter if you do not play by the rules. It doesn't matter if you don't, if you don't finish what you started because everybody you're here so that must mean you qualify you're entitled to just get whatever and that's not the way the kingdom of God operates that is not how the kingdom of God operates he says you endure and you will get the prize you endure the right way and you will get the promise you endure the the, you endure faithfully and you will receive the reward that I God have for you and friend our ultimate reward is heaven. Our ultimate reward, reward is heaven. Where here's the promise of heaven, the new earth, the new heaven, the new Jerusalem that will descend and be created. That is this? No pain. Man, I like to I like to know what that's like, right? No pain. Think about it. Physical pain, emotional pain. No pain. No sorrow. It's gone. No tears of agony. No unfair treatment. Nobody talking about you, stabbing you in the back, doing you wrong. No, none of that stuff. There's no ladder to climb to prove yourself. Because if you endure to the end and you make it, guess what? All the stuff you and I are exposed to on this earth, the negative, the evil, all that, it's gone. We will live in a perfect place again. That's what our future holds. Those who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ and those who endure. There's a key there, endure. And that's why Paul elaborates on that in chapter 2 and why we took some time on that last week. And now today, we're going to talk about the third thing he tells us to do in chapter 2 and that is this be an approved worker be an approved worker I want to read part of a verse and then we'll pray over, over God's word today Second Timothy 2 verse 15 the first part it says work hard so that you can present yourself to who to who Work hard so that you can present yourself to God and receive His approval. Work hard so that you can present yourself to God and receive His approval. Let's pray. God, I know your word is full of so many things, so many good things, so many challenging things. But it's full of truth. At the end of the day, it's full of truth. It doesn't lie. And today, Lord, we need to hear your truth. We need to hear what you have to say about our life. Even in the middle of a battle, even in the middle of a fight, even in the middle of confusion. Even now when maybe in some of our lives things are good and grand and no issues, whatever. We need to hear your truth because we need to be prepared and we need to be ready. And we need to continue to make sure that our lives are on target with what you have for us. Not what we think, but what you think. So, Father, now I pray, give us ears to hear, heart to understand, lives to embrace a church that goes in the direction of God and not in the direction of this world. Help us, O oh God, as this church, as this flock, that we stay together, stay strong, stay committed, and together endure to be what you want us to be. We love you and we thank you for that now. In the name of Jesus and everybody who loves the Lord, say amen. amen. What's well, most? Everybody, praise God. That's good. like to hear that. So here he is. Last week I finished the message with a statement and I said this, that this unfaithful world needs to see Christians endure hardship in a faithful way. This unfaithful world needs to see Christians endure hardship in a faithful way because of this, in order to bring truth that would lead to salvation. That is the ultimate goal of a believer, of a Christian, to be faithful, endure faithfully, because in so doing, it opens up the opportunity for truth to be given to other people, to the lost, to this world... that can lead and will lead to salvation. Because when the unfaithful sees the faithful endure and live this life... not perfectly, but live this life with the purpose of God... in a faithful way, then it creates opportunity... opens the door for the gospel, for the truth... to be told, to be shared, and to be shown... that can lead to their salvation... There's nobody else on this planet that God's counting on but His people, His bride, His church. He doesn't have a plan B. There's no backup plan. Jesus won't be released and able to come until God the Father says, now is the time. Now is the time. And nobody knows that day, nobody knows that hour. And I know a whole lot of people out there try to, try to pinpoint it and try to, try to speculate it and try to narrow it down. And all we can know in our spirit is perhaps it's getting close... If it was, again, if it's getting close in Paul's day, sure enough, it's getting even closer in our day. But the reality is nobody really knows the day or the hour, which is why we must be prepared. Amen? Which is why we must be ready. Which is why we've got to keep doing what, we, what the Bible tells us to do. And I know we get weary and we get tired and we, and we go through some stuff and it sucks the wind out of our sails and it, and it punches us in the gut and we, we tend to just kind of fall down sometimes. But the Bible says the righteous fall seven times, but they get back up. And I want to encourage you today, whatever it is you're dealing with, going through, this is what we need to be listening to and hearing and letting our spirits soak in. And that is we've got to remain faithful because sometimes being faithful is the hardest thing to do. But that's what we must do. And so Paul goes on to to elaborate. He, He starts out by saying, hey, work hard. Work hard so that you can present yourself to God and receive His approval to be an approved worker. If there's an approved worker, then there must also be an unapproved worker. And here's the differences between the two. An approved worker is described as this. Someone who applies God's Word to their life, you don't just read it, you can you not know, just memorize it... ...but you apply it to your life. So many Christians don't apply God's Word to their life. It's just a book, it's just something they go do on Sundays... ...and then that's it. Not in here, I know nobody in here does that, alright? But we got to apply God's Word to our life. It says, also an approved worker is someone who is eager to find the truth. You're not content with what you hear on TV. You're not with, content with what you see or read on the internet or especially in our day and time, Facebook. You know not all the links on Facebook that, that, that publicize certain things are accurate. I know that's a shocker. You like to believe that everything on the internet is true. But it's not. Eager to find truth. Where do you go to find truth? The Word of God. The Word of God. And... An approved worker helps other people pursue godliness. That's a mark, a description. An unapproved worker is someone who pursues their own interest... ...instead of real understanding out of God's Word. And as a result of pursuing their own interest, it leads to ungodliness... ...and therefore, they don't help anybody pursue godliness. So, in other words, an approved worker is someone who... Applies God's Word to their life, all of it. Seeks the truth, wants to know the truth, all that stuff. Helps other people find the Lord, serve the Lord. An unapproved worker is someone who's busy working about their own interest, about whatever they can get out in life, about whatever, is, whatever will please me, myself, and I. Right? And so Paul says, hey, but you got to work hard you got to work hard at this thing, meaning if, if it there's got to be some effort involved. There's got to be some intention involved. There's got to be the investment of time and energy and effort if you're going to be an approved worker. It doesn't just happen just because you get born again, just because you get filled with the Spirit, just because you learn some chapters and verses of the Bible. No, it means you got to keep at this. Late in life, this is Paul's last letter, so he's been doing this thing for a while. And here he is telling Timothy, a young pastor who's responsible for teaching his church, helping his church, equipping his church to help them do this thing. And he says, you got to work hard at this. That it ain't, it, it ain't easy doing this thing. If it were easy, friend, then we wouldn't need to pray. We wouldn't need to read the Bible. We wouldn't need anything. We wouldn't need accountability. We wouldn't need the church. We could just kind of go around life doing whatever it is we want to do. And that's how, unfortunately, a lot of Christians think this day and time. And But God, Paul says, hey, work hard. Work hard so that you can be an approved worker. You've got to be intentional. In other words, Timothy, this is the kind of Christian you and your church need to try to be like an approved worker. Let's look at a couple of subtexts here. Colossians 3.17 tells us this. Paul says, And whatever you do or you say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through Him to God the Father. Whatever you do, do it as a representative of the Lord. 1 Corinthians 10.31 So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, Do it all for the glory of God. So Paul, in two different texts here, is saying whatever we do in this life, let's make sure we do it as a representative of the Lord, representing Him on this earth, and do it unto His glory. So whatever we do, whatever job we have, and whatever things we find ourselves in life doing, if we can do those things to represent the Lord and do it for His glory, then Paul says, whatever you do, do that. And here he's saying... In 2 Timothy, work hard to become an approved worker. And he goes on to to share and expound on what I've discovered are four attributes, if you will, or four feats of an approved worker. Work hard to do these four things, and we're going to look at those uh, now. Let's look at them. Four things Paul says to work hard at doing as an approved worker. Number one is to work hard at having a firm foundation. Work hard at having a firm foundation. Verse 15, the second part, Paul says, Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed, and one who correctly explains the word of truth. So he's saying if you're going to be an approved worker, this is what you need to aim your life for, this is what you need to work hard at doing is you've got to work hard at having a firm foundation. Foundation would be the truth. So, an approved worker is someone who explores the truth, someone who knows the truth, and someone who can talk about it and explain it. In other words, we don't just know a little bit about God's Word, but we can carry on conversations with people in context. And we can share what God has to say about that subject or about life or about whatever that people are dealing with. We can share with them the truth about Jesus Christ. And you you see, the thing is, God has no other plan but to use His people to save this world. No pressure. That's why my job is all the more harder. Because I'm responsible for a flock of people to help make sure that we can stay on track and we can stay with it and that we can keep being faithful and we can be equipped and empowered on how that we can then go about sharing this with other people. And so an approved worker is someone who works hard at having a firm foundation in their life. So the foundation in their life is God's Word, His truth. No other thing, if if that is happening to you, if that's the case in your life, then you're well on your way as a disciple of Jesus Christ. First and foremost, the book of God, God's Word, has got to be the foundation. So no matter whatever you deal with, whatever you face, whatever questions you have, no matter what kind of perspective or angle or attitude or mindset you're trying to get about anything in life, it's got to come from here. It's got to come from the Word of God. It's got to. If not, then you're going to set yourself up for failure. You're going to set yourself up for always trying to gain and strive and achieve, but never have. Never be able to do it. So a hard, an approved worker is someone who works hard at having a firm foundation. In every chapter of 2 Timothy, Paul speaks on the truth. In chapter 1, verse 13 and 14, he says... Just listen, he says, hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching, Timothy. Hold on to it. He says, it's a pattern shaped by faith. And through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within you, carefully guard the precious truth. Carefully guard the precious truth. Chapter 2, verse 2, he says, you have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many other people. Now teach these truths to others. Truth. Three, chapter 3, verse 10, he says, You, Timothy, certainly know what I teach and how I live. And verse 14, he says, But you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught, for you know they are true. And then in chapter 4, he says, Timothy, preach the word of God. Encourage your people with good teaching. So he echoes this throughout the entire letter truth must be pretty important. As a Christian, truth must be pretty important. I mean, come on, we're staking our whole eternity on this thing. This isn't about going to the fair, going to to an amusement park. You know, if we're good enough, then we're going to get, you know, a bonus at the end of the year. This isn't about any of the temporal stuff in life. This is about our eternity. We're staking our life on this. If this is real... Awesome, which I do believe it's real. I wouldn't dedicate my life to this thing and telling other people about it. It's real. And eternity matters, and eternity is for every person. Humanity is born with eternity in their heart. Ecclesiastes tells us that, that in our heart God has put eternity. But then what fits that hole of eternity? What what peg goes into that hole in our heart? If it's not Jesus, then we're going to spend eternity apart from God our Father, our Creator, who loves us, and unfortunately, we're going to spend eternity hurting the rest of our life. But if Jesus is there, and we're faithful, guess what? We talked about it earlier. Heaven is our home. The new new thing that God will bring is where we're going to be, and we're going to join everybody else who's already gone before us and who's been faithful. And that's why the, the there's a whole there's a whole chapter dedicated in Hebrews 12. Everybody who's gone before you, a great cloud of witnesses, they're cheering you on because they want you to know I, it's real, it's happened to me, and if you'll be faithful and if you will endure and you will fight the good fight and finish your race and keep the faith, you will get there. And friend, that's what I want to tell you today. I want to continue to elaborate on that that the only way that's going to that's give you the springboard to do so is when the truth is your foundation. So Paul, throughout the, whole, throughout the whole letter, chapter 1, 2, 3, and 4, speaks of it each time in each chapter. Truth, hold on to it, keep it, guard it, teach it, share it, encourage others with it. All right, number two. Second feat of an approved worker is this, is you work hard at not being foolish. By the way, all four of these, they're, going to have, they're all going to start with the letter F. I thought in honor of Father's Day, I would be cool and start it with that. That way, that helps me remember stuff. I don't know if you learned that way or not, but some of you are going to get it. It says, work hard at not being foolish. Let's look at what he's talking about, verse 16. It says, avoid worthless, foolish talk that only leads to more godless behavior. Boy, ain't that the truth. So this kind of talk spreads like cancer. As in the case of Hymenius and Philetus, he said they left the path of truth. There it is again. They left the path of truth, claiming that the resurrection of the dead had already occurred, and in this way they have turned some people away from the faith. Now, that continues to happen today. There are people in this world, obviously, humanists and philosophers, and people in, in, who supposedly think they're born again, telling people that a bunch of nonsense. Anything that will lead people from Christ Jesus and inflict hurt and pain on other people is not from God the Father. Okay? That's, that's one, one, quick, one real quick way to, to identify who you should run with and who you should listen to. And if somebody else tells you, you need to give me all your money all the time on TV, then you need to run real fast. Because all they're doing is going to the bank on people. Alright? Now, if you've been there, done that, change your pattern. Alright? Here's the deal, though. He says, hey, work hard at not being foolish. He says, avoid foolish arguments. Because they only lead to godless behavior. He says this two other times in verse 14. He says this. He says, remind everyone about all these things I've been telling you about. And then he says, and stop fighting over words. Such arguments are useless and they can ruin those who hear them. And then again later in this letter, chapter 2, verse 23, in this same section, he says again... Three times, again, I say don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. So an approved worker, someone who applies the Word of God to their life, someone who uh, is eager to pursue truth, and someone who's eager to help other people pursue godliness, they must work hard at not being foolish. And part of not being foolish is don't get involved in foolish arguments with people. Publicly, personally, or even on social media. Yeah. For some reason, we think we're all good and safe and we can hide in the shadows when we can type out statements about the stuff to whomever will he- see it. Friend, let me tell you, social media is not the best platform to state everything. All right, It is not the best place to state everything. I've tried to make it a practice of mine to not state all the stuff that I don't like. I try to put on there, if I state, say anything, it will be what I, what I am for and not what I'm, I am against. In the sense of this, if, if we would just try to cite and state not just on social media, but in general, in conversations in life, if we would cite and state the stuff that we are for more than what we are against, then I think more people would actually pay attention. I think more people would actually pay attention. Now, they didn't have social media, back; they didn't have no Facebook back then in Paul's day I mean they they, they it was hard to get it uh, to transcribe and get some correspondence to other people it wasn't easy back then like it is today They didn't have Fox News or CNN or CNBC or any of the other stuff going on back in the day it was it, it, it didn't work that way obviously you and I know that but today we have that and unfortunately we're exposed to so many ideologies and so many philosophies and so many conversations at one time we just get bombarded and we're like man this is depressing and other at other times we see See things and we read things and we hear things we're like man this is exciting and all and most of the time here's what it happens all it does is stir up debate and all it does is stir up arguments and it does not accomplish anything that God wants to see happen doesn't mean we can't we can't talk about this or we can't we can't um, you know go into the depths of any of this stuff with somebody and have a good conversation and and all of that because Here's what's happened now in our day and time. When you disagree with somebody, they say, you hate me. How stupid is that? Come on, since when can we not disagree? You can disagree with somebody and not have hate in your heart. We all don't like the same food. And if I say, "Man, I don't really like that, that doesn't mean I hate you. That just means... I don't really care for that food, and vice versa, right? I mean, we're all different. But the common thread that links Christians, or should, it's supposed to link Christians, is the Word of God truth. And Paul says, hey, work hard and not being foolish. Don't get caught up in a bunch of stupid arguments with people. He said, that's not going to help anything. He said, look what, it's, well, look what it does. It's like, it spreads like cancer. And then you've got to go in and you've got to cut that out. You've got to do some spiritual surgery and remove that stuff in order for your life not to be affected by that negative stuff. He says the best way, the best way to not be foolish is this, is live the truth. Just live it. Let your walk do the talk for you. I, I'm not a conflict guy. I don't go around picking arguments and trying to, you know, debate somebody at Starbucks over anything, or any stuff like that. Just not my. That's not even in my personality. Period. I like. I see. I. I, I just hate conflict. I try to avoid it. As a leader, it's inevitable. You got to have some. 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 Some conflict. You got to be able to deal with with some profrontation, confrontation, and be proactive about it to deal with stuff. I get that as a leader, you never change anything, do anything, or go anywhere God wants you. To. I get that. I'm all about that in in relationships with your husband. Or if you got to have those those moments of conflict and disagreements and working through some, some stuff like that and, and all that. But here's the thing in general, I, it's just not me. One time uh, at our old church, it's been years or years ago, at, when I was in Memphis a long time ago, uh, one of the things we had started doing was when we were promoting a, um, some kind of a thing at the church for the community to be invited to. Um, so instead of doing mass mailing, what we did was we went door-to-door door and hung the deals on the uh, door handles of everybody's house. Well, went up to this one house, and we were in a group, and I, I went up, and I was going to hang it up, but the guy was outside. And uh, I just hey, I want to drop this off. Uh, we got this community event. We're inviting people in our community to come. And he started getting into an, a debate with me. And he started questioning me. I don't even remember what it was. I don't even remember the details, but... Um, as soon as he started talking to me, I just felt this thing rise up within me like this ain't going to be good. This ain't going to be good. And And he just started hammering me about inviting the community to church. And his philosophy and his stance was, aren't you supposed to just be telling everybody what's wrong with them? Telling this world they're full of sin and telling everybody they're full of hate and telling everybody they need to get their life together and all this stuff. And I'm like, not quite like that. There's a way to talk and a way to deal with stuff. I said, that's why we're trying to be nice and just extend an invitation for some free stuff and come to our church and let us show you some love. Anyway, it went on and on for a few minutes. It made me so mad. I was so irate. I was so upset. I went back and told one of my leaders about it. And, and you know what? That's like they just ignored me. And now, looking back, I, I get it now because it ain't worth it. The enemy wanted me to get worked up over some goofball. I'm still dealing with it in my heart. I'm sorry. <laughs> It's apparent. That's stuff that's still there. Lord, cut that out of me. Man, I thought I got that out. Go fifteen years later, and you're still like, what? I ain't over that yet. <laughs> if I still gotta call somebody a goofball, I must not be over it yet. Lord help me, Jesus. <laughs> He's still working on me. <laughs> oh gosh. Let it all out. Just let it all out. <laughs> Father of the year says, just let it all out. <laughs> anyway, just don't get caught up in that mess, right? It doesn't... He didn't come. That guy didn't show up. I haven't run ran into him again since then. Just not worth it. Number three. Everybody with me so far? All right, number three. Talking about being an approved worker, Paul says, you gotta, this is what you've got to work hard at, Timothy. If you're going to be faithful and you're going to have people being faithful with you to finish the race, here's what you've got to do. Work hard, number three, work hard at not being a fence rider. R-I-D-E-R, a fence rider. Riding the fence. Someone who's not a fence rider is someone who knows what they believe and they live it. They know what they believe and they live it. Whatever side of the fence. Let's look at it. Verse 19. It says, But God's truth stands firm like a foundation stone with this inscription, The Lord knows those who are His and all who belong to the Lord must turn away from evil. There must come a point in time in our life when we must take a stand for righteousness. Righteousness. And anytime you do that, anytime we take a stand for righteousness, drawing a line in the sand, if you will, then things are going to get complicated. You draw a line in the sand, you stand for righteousness for what you believe is the Lord, things can get complicated in your life because not everybody that you draw the line with is going to join you. They're not going to just, oh, wow, you drew the line. I must just come on over there then. It's amazing. You start drawing the line for righteousness' sake. I'm not talking about goofy, crazy, radical religion. Pure, unadulterated love for Jesus. You draw the line to live that way, you'll see who's with you and who's not. Okay? I'm not talking about being over-the-top Simon the Zealot... ...or anything like that, in the way Paul's talking to us here. He says this, he said, The Lord knows those who are His, and all who belong to the Lord must turn away from evil. In other words, those who take a stand for righteousness, who don't ride the fence... ...God knows who you are, and you know who God is. Because you're standing, you've made a choice, you've made a decision, you've made a commitment... Right? And that's what he's getting at. Work hard, Timothy. I mean, if he's got to tell a pastor this, and how much more does the rest of the church need to hear this, Timothy? Work hard at not riding the fence. You've got to choose. You've got to decide. Let's look at the end of the book, Revelation. Let's look at these verses real quick. The writer says, I know all the things you do. This is speaking to one of the seven churches, the church of Laodicea. He says, I know all the things you do that you are neither hot nor cold, and I wish you were one or the other. Choose. He says, but since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, God is saying this. He says, I will spit you out of my mouth. Look at verse 19. He says, I correct and discipline everyone I love. Remember that. So... Be diligent and turn from your indifference. What is he getting at? God is not a fan of fence riders. God does not, he's not into those who ride the fence who are neither hot nor cold. If you're neither hot nor cold, he uses that terminology, then I'm just going to spit you out of my mouth. Right? I mean, you ever, you drank something that you you thought was going to be ice cold and you started guzzling it, man, maybe it was water, or maybe it was a soda or something, and, it, and it, was, it was hot. Or it was just kind of that lukewarm. Maybe it was a bottle of water that had set in the sun, and you didn't know it, and you started drinking it. And, then, and the Lord is giving that picture here. He say, look, choose. Stop being indifferent about what you're going to do with your life. Christian, stop being indifferent. Don't play the game with me. Say, don't, don't ride the fence with me, because sooner or later that fence is going to wear out. Sooner or later you're going to get to the end, and you've got to choose, and it might be too late. And you might have already done the choosing for you. So right now, while you have opportunity, while you have chance, while you have breath, while you're still alive, and you still got life ahead of you, make a decision. He said, I chasten and discipline those I love. And he said, turn from your indifference. Make up your mind what you're going to do. Don't don't be one way at home and another way at church. I know I'm not talking to anybody here today. Don't don't be something all by yourself, and then be something else when everybody else is watching. Now listen, I that does I'm not getting at dealing with our stuff and you know, living a lifestyle of repentance and we're, you know, making our move forward with God and you're, we're working on stuff and God's working. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about those who defiantly try to hide. In other words, what Jesus calls hypocrisy. Okay? And he says, but make a choice. Work hard at not being a fence rider. Make a a decision. He goes on to elaborate. Let's look else at verse twenty. He says, "So in a in a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver, and some are made of wood and clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions, and the cheap ones are for everyday use. We all know what that's like." And he says, "If you keep yourself pure, if you live, uh, if you're a vessel of honor, he says, you will be a special utensil for honorable use." Your life will be clean and you will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. In other words, he's saying, he's giving another analogy here, another picture here. He said either you can be a vessel of honor or you can be a vessel of dishonor. But you can't be both. You can't have both sides of the fence. You can't be both honor or dishonor. It's either honor or dishonor. And he he goes on to elaborate about living a life of honor, being a vessel of honor. If you live your life to be a vessel of honor, you choose, you make a choice to be a vessel of honor. He says your life will be clean, your life will be dedicated to God, and you will be ready for every good thing that God has for you to do. In other words, you're going to live your life with God's purpose in mind. You're not going to live with your own interests, You're not going to live with your own ideas. You're going to live with what God has for you. Living right in the middle of what God has for you. But it starts by making a choice and making a commitment to work hard at not being a fence rider, but choosing. And if you live and you choose to be a vessel of honor, well it appears that everything seems to work itself out. Give God enough time. Give Him enough space. Give yourself enough room for God to work. And it always seems to work itself out. And then he goes on, he says, verse 22. And he says, "'Run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. "'Instead,' Pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace, and enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. What's he getting at in this continuation of not being a fence rider? Choose who you're going to run with and how you're going to do it. Doesn't mean you don't have any friends who are, that, are, that are lost and unbelievers. You, we're supposed to reach people, so that's it. But what he's getting at is the core of your relationship. And the core of how you live your life, it identifies two ways. It, the way you live your life, your lifestyle, identifies with the kingdom. There are, there are identification marks all on you and all around you. The fruit of your vine, what is coming off of your tree, it identifies with the kingdom of God. And secondly, your relationships identify with the kingdom of God. That's why it's imperative that when you're first born again and you're, you're newly saved, that you've got to really cut yourself off from any relationship that you previously had in the world. I'm not talking about if, you were, if you're married and you get saved. I'm talking about if you just, in general, the worldly, ungodly relationships. Why? Because they're not there to help you serve God. They're there to help you do whatever it is you want to do in your own interest, which will then pull you away from God's will and God's plan for your life. Amen. And then as you get stronger and you get bigger and you get a little more mature in the Lord, then God's going to start putting some people in your life that you can then help and you won't be suckered into and pulled off to in the wrong direction, right? Because he knows when you're by yourself and you're making those right decisions in the times of temptation, then you're going to be able to do that in public with other people, right? And so not being a fence rider, work hard or not being a fence rider it identifies with, the direction of our life and what we identify with, God's kingdom, and secondly, who we surround ourselves with. That's so important, who you surround yourself with. Who do you surround yourself with the most? Who are the ones who have the most influence in your life? Think about it, because that's going to determine what your future looks like. I can show you your future by showing you, you showing me who your friends are. That's how you will determine what your future will look like, based on who you you allow to have access into your life. And Paul knows that, and he said, if you're going to be faithful, you can't, that's going to make you a fence rider, so you got to make a decision. And then lastly, let me finish up. Lastly is this. Number four, work hard at this. Work hard at not being a fighter. So work hard at being, having a firm foundation. Work hard at not being foolish. Work hard at not being a fence rider. Work hard at not being a fighter. In other words, an instigator. Verse 24... He says this, he wraps up this part of the letter. He says, a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, must not fight, but must be kind to everyone. Be able to teach and be patient with difficult people. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts, and they will learn the truth, and then they will come to their senses. This is important. Then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap, for they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. Work hard at not being a fighter, an instigator. He says, if you're this kind of person, you're kind and you're patient with people. You're kind and you're patient with difficult people. Anybody ever encountering any difficult people? They're hard to be kind with, too, aren't they? Hard to be patient with. Yeah, sometimes I'm a difficult person. My wife will tell you. And sometimes she, is she she's like, "Man, I got to be kind and patient with you right now." We can sometimes be difficult, but then also we encounter difficult people. We're instructed here, hey, be kind and patient. Think about that. Are there people in your life that you're not very kind to? It doesn't mean you're personally mean to them, but in your thoughts about them, it's not kind. Whenever you do cross paths with them... You're not patient, meaning you ignore them. You cut them off. You reroute your path so as to not have to exchange anything with them. Think about people in your life that you know in your own mind, your own heart right now, that they're difficult in your view. They're difficult in your perspective. Perhaps there's people in our own church that are like this with each other. I know that's hard to fathom, but that happens. Maybe there's some people in our own congregation right now that we're difficult to each other. He says, the kind of person who's not a fighter, they gently instruct. What's he getting at? It means you take time to help people understand the truth. That's where that patience comes in. You take time to help somebody understand. And here's the thing about the truth. God's Word, it's likened to two things, two ingredients, meat and milk. First the milk and then the meat. You got milk and meat. That's what God's Word is likened unto in the New Testament. So think about that, that if we're not kind and we're not patient and we're not gentle and we don't take time to help somebody else understand, here's what's going on. We're taking this thing and we're balling it up, and we're shoving it down somebody's throat. And we're saying, think, if I I had a 20-ounce steak right now, and I said, here, eat that, (laughs) bow. He was like, come on, chew it, man, chew it. Eat that thing, eat that thing. Then I had a gallon of milk, and I said, here, drink that right on top of that, just right on top of his head. And he's kind, and he's patient, so he ain't going to hit me or anything. But think about that, how we do people, how the how the church, how Christians do the world. How are we supposed to win people to know Jesus and tell them about his love if we're always so busy starting fights, instigating, trying to get this book shoved down somebody's throat? It's one reason I'm not a big fan of street corner preaching, holding up my sign and Got my table, my banner behind me, and telling the world, you suck. Turn or burn, fly or fry. You lie, you die. Get right or get left. Oh, sign me up, I want that. If I see a street corner preacher, I'm running. Because I'm like, dude, you got the worst flipping attitude in the world the ones I've encountered. I can't speak for all street corner preachers. Let me say that. Let me be politically correct (laughs) here. Say, my pastor's bashing on street corner preachers. Some places it might work. Let me just move on. In my case, I don't like it. But here's the deal, because I see it as this. I'm taking this and I'm shoving it down your throat. Meaning, I'm not taking the time to hear anything that's going on in your world. I'm not taking the time to say, hey... You look down. You need some help. You look hurt. You look like some things are going on. Imagine if the church did that with the world. You're at work with a coworker who may be a loudmouth, who may get on your nerves, whom you know you can't trust, two cents to because they're going to blab it. Just means they got some issues. But if you took them out to lunch or after work went and got coffee and you took the time over the course of a year to get to know them and hear why they're so defensive. Hear why they're so provocative. Take the time to get to know them. In other words... You don't judge it by its cover. Sadly, our world is good at that when it comes to Christianity because we've not been the best servants. Right? Think about that waiter or waitress. Think about people. This is what Paul's saying. This is part of being faithful, man. It's part of keeping your heart right. This will help you finish the race. This will help you fight the good fight. When we are not a bunch of fighters and instigators... ...going around starting things... ...but we're gentle. We're patient. We're kind with each other... ...especially those in the household of faith. Right? You you know why in Acts 2 why so many people were getting saved like they were. It said that because the people on the outside were looking in on the inside of the church and they liked what they saw. They liked what they saw. This world needs to see Christians be approved workers. may not be the smartest... You may not know every single thing there is to know. Heck, I don't know everything there is to know about this book. It's a lifelong journey and process. But if there's something that could be said about you, Is that, hey, they have a caring heart. They're full of compassion. In our day and time, People in this world, the unfaithful, they need to see Christians have some compassion. Does it mean we condone and agree with everybody's lifestyle? How ludicrous is that to say that you care for somebody, but you also agree with them? No, that's what the enemy has done, and his name is Satan. And he is the father of lies, and he is the master of deception. So don't ever get those wires can cross, crossed. You can have compassion and not condone. Seems like the church has veered away from that. In fact, that's what Jesus was noted for. He said when he saw the crowd, says they were lost like sheep without a shepherd. And he said the first thing it said, is he had On them. He didn't stand up and preach the fire and brimstone and all of that stuff to them. What he did is he said, Hey, you're lost. I'm the way. You're weary? I'll give you rest. You're hurting? I'll heal your heart. You're hungry? we got some baskets of leftover fish and bread over here. Why don't you take them home? And better yet, I'll sit here and eat with you. Imagine if our church, the church, acted like that to this world. People who are outcasts, people who have the wrong idea about God, about religion, about Jesus, about the church. But if as Christians... Those who will remain faithful, what Paul's saying, remain faithful. And here's what happens. That final verse, verse 26, can you put that back up? They come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap for they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. That's what God wants to see. That's what Jesus wants to see His bride, His church doing. And I know that's what I want to be doing. I want to be helping people come to their senses because I'm working hard at being an approved worker. Amen? Anybody else want that? like, God, if you, there's something you want to see about me, I want to be an approved worker. Anybody? You want to be an approved worker? that's you, let's stand to our feet. I'll pray Amen. for you. Amen. Father, I thank you for our church. Thank you for our body this family of God, this family of faith. Lord, today we've heard your word. I pray you would help us hear it, receive it now, and let it take root in our hearts. And by the Holy Spirit, I pray you would seal this word in us. God, help us not to be the kind of people who sit in church and nod our head and amen and agree and then walk out and forget what it was we just got through hearing. You expect more out of us, Father. You expect more out of your children. So I pray you help us to rise to the expectation, rise to the level of potential that's in us, to truly be approved workers who care and have compassion for people in this world. So to win them to the kingdom of God and eradicate the devil's plan for their life. We know it can be done. We know it's possible. And by your help and grace and your Holy Spirit, we can do it. So, right now, strengthen us. Make us better. Help us to become greater at what it is we're called to do as approved workers. In Jesus' name, amen.